When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Guys that can make a difference. Guys that can give you that spark. Guys that give you something just a little bit different. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is the pecking order. Today's topic, the best of Michael Jackson. Here are Myron and Brian. Myron Metcalf, Brian Murphy back. Brian, who's Brian? The Murph. Oh, Myron and Brian. Myron and Ah. I still like uh, Medcalf and Murph. Now, too late. The intro's already recorded. You're not getting me to change it now. (laughs) This is the pecking order segment. Uh, We're going to talk Michael Jackson. Quick story. I don't know if anyone saw Carlos Boozer had a story on ESPN.com where he talked about what Prince did to his house. Has anyone, have you seen that? No. Incredible. Incredible. So, so Carlos did Boozer. Did it out? He did. Carlos Boozer had an LA, a house in LA that he bought. Prince lived there for a year while he was on tour. And Carlos Boozer comes back and there's like a purple carpet leading up to the door on, in the driveway. There's a beauty salon. He had removed all of Carlos Boozer's furniture, like completely princed out the house. How do they know each other? What's their tie? Well, I just think Prince wanted a house in L.A. And great story if you haven't already seen it. We obviously lost Prince. Huge loss. Nine years ago yesterday, we also lost Michael Jackson. Believe it or not, it has been nine years, which is incredible. I remember that day because that was when social media was getting bigger. Uh, and I think the internet kind of shut down that day. It was it was really incredible, unfortunate. Michael, for the what kids, would he, uh, do we have his date of birth? What would he have been today? Oh wait, that's the date. This is the date good. of his death. It's not his well, birthday. but it's still a good question. Would he be over sixty? He right died now? at fifty, I believe. Um, fifty five zero exact. I, somewhere around there. Somebody Google his date of somewhere, birth so we can do the math. Please, so Michael Jackson was. He was he was one of those dudes who was much older than you thought, right? He was right, one of those because guys. he became a star so young. Born yeah. August 29, 1958. 58, so he'd be 50, 60. He'd be about I got to see in math. He'd be 60 in know. August. Yeah, he'd be 60 yes, in August. Correct. Yep. You got to do the math. I didn't I didn't do well freshman math. Um C+. Plus. Um Well, he obviously is the greatest thing, the greatest performer of all time. I don't know what any of these young people are talking about with the uh, I heard somebody say Beyonce is bigger than Michael Jackson. Whoa, uh, come on. Uh, bologna and crackers, okay? Are you kidding me? Michael Jackson used to sell out soccer stadiums in Ireland, and people would be crying. Remember they'd have to bring the paramedics to pull people out of the crowd because they'd faint when they saw him? That was Michael Jackson. But we got a list of songs, and there's yes. so many songs you could choose from in terms of Michael Jackson and what were his best songs. Brian, 
What is your list? Well, we're going to go from five to one, okay? So okay. we can build it up a little bit. Uh, the first one I'm going to go with is ABC. Now, there's a caveat yeah, because okay. that was with the Jackson 5. Yes. That being said, Michael was out front. Yes. And that's, I think, when the world discovered Michael Jackson. That and was at huge. the time, he would have been about 11 or 12 years old. Yep. Uh, not only that, the song's been covered. Mariah Carey did a heck of a cover job on that. Yep, when she could sing. Um, yep. But it should be noted that that song knocked out the Beatles let it be from really? the top from the top spot because they were both released in nineteen April of nineteen seventy. Wow. Um and you could say, you know, obviously the Beatles were probably the most influential rock band of all time. And to be knocked out that quickly by who would ultimately become the king of pop, that in and of itself is it's it's a cheesy pop song. But it's the, a song. But the significance of what that song meant at it's that huge. time and how it introduced Michael uh, to a wide audience. Um, that's got to at least be in your top five. It, it was huge. One of the big moments for Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 was Diana Ross. They were the Jackson 5 at a charity event. Diana Ross called them Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5, Ooh. which really upset Joe Jackson, the dad. But that was a big moment because all of a sudden people started calling them Michael Jackson. Which is kind of weird because that, that family got along so well from day right, no, one. No right? problems. No drama at all. Who's number four, man? Like they didn't know it anyway. <laughs> Tito's like, yeah, I get Tito. it. That's fine. Yeah. Tito's still getting checks. You should have had the bigger picture. Tito's still getting checks. He's okay with whatever you want to call it. Toya's still the outlier, isn't she? But is she's she... getting some money somewhere, doing something, I think. Maybe. I don't Reality know. TV somewhere, Reby, I'm sure. Reby, who people have never even heard of, won a Grammy Award. Reby Jackson. Come on, man. For what? Uh, Centipede. It wasn't a Grammy, I'm sorry. It was a hit song. Centipede. Okay. She had this like song called Centipede. Again, that's how big the Jacksons were. Number four. Number four, beat it. Now, you know, this is one of the... I think this was the first number one song off a thriller. I could be wrong on that, but it was... uh, People remember it more mainly because it it launched thriller sort of into the... The strat, not the stratosphere, but yeah, into the public consciousness. Well, thriller actually did that, and maybe Billie Jean, too. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But if everybody remembers, uh, it got into the top 10 in mainstream rock. Wow. Because of Eddie Van Halen's guitar work on there. Which Eddie Van was Halen's, one of the dopest solos, guitar solos ever. On any R&B hit, too. Period. I mean, it sort of brought this song into a, a broader yes. uh, mass audience That's because of his great stat. And think about that. In 1982, Van Halen was pro- arguably the, the hardest, yeah. probably the best heavy metal band at that time as well. So Was Michael Rock? On that song, he was. But I thought he was more of an R&B. I mean, he was pop. Pop right? and R&B. But it was a lot of rock in Michael Jackson's music, too. I mean, there's a lot of rock pop. I mean, there was less soul, I feel like, then. I'll, t- I'll put it this way. He was way. electric like rock at the I'll time. I'll put it I this way. Like My dad anything. in 1982 would have been about, let's see, 30. He would have been about 34, right? And he's the ultimate classic rock yeah. stoner hippie guy. Not as a stoner, but as a stoner yeah, gotcha. hippie rock and roll guy. He bought Thriller. Yeah. Okay? Now, yeah. He, he liked Stevie Wonder as well because we grew up in Detroit and he liked Motown, but... If my dad at 34, with 34 then seemed like 84, yeah. bought brought home the album Vinyl Thriller, which is what we were listening to at school, I was pretty impressed by that. So the old man got it as well. Good stuff. Uh, number three, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Oh, I love that song. Now, if you want to see more white people do the white man's <laughs> overbite at a wedding, put Don't Stop Till You Get It On. Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. You will bring out grandpas. You will bring out uncles. You will bring out you will bring out those that would wouldn't be caught dead dancing because that song will get your booty shaking. I don't care who's at the wedding, all colors, everybody respects that song. That also highlighted 
Michael Jackson's vocals, which I think as much as we talk about him dancing and the production and throwing, he was a great singer. Like, he could really, really sing. And this was sort of off the wall, which I think yes. besides Thriller. Underrated album. Underrated album. And this would have been sort of the song that kind of launched that album. Probably 78, 79. Yeah, when did that come that. out? About late set, about 78. So, I mean, he was dealing with disco. And yeah. so it had a little bit of disco flavor in it because everybody, even the Rolling Stones, put out a disco-type record at that point. I love how that song starts. It's, it's great. All right, number two, Thriller. Now, the song itself, depending on which version, the single version or the album version, the album version lasts about 10 it's minutes. It's long. It's long. <laughs> get yourself a cocktail or get yourself a sandwich. Um, two things about it. it, it the, the video itself was a Vanguard video, if anybody's ever seen it, of course. And the making of it was almost as interesting, Amazing. actually, uh, as well as the video. John Landis did it, and he was obviously known for Animal House and some other... Uh, uh, kind of rock, raucous comedies, National Lampoon comedies at the time. Um, but it also, this is the my favorite part about it, is they have Vincent Price on there. Yeah. Now, if you yeah. can get Vincent Price, who at that time must have been about 90 years old. Old, yeah. Um, the, the, the king of horror films of the 50s and the 60s actually came on and had a cameo on that record where he's kind of bridging, I think it is, a couple of the choruses or the verses. Yeah. I'm not that musically inclined. Um, but if you can get Vincent Price onto a pop album, you should be in the top five of anywhere. And finally, this is my all-time favorite, uh, Billie Jean. Yes. Uh, the bass line, the opening to that, and just the song itself. The it's song powerful. itself is basically saying, uh, don't screw up and knock up a girl, because if that happens, like my mama said, yeah. uh, you're going to be in for a world of hurt the rest of your life. I mean, it was a pop song yeah. that was great sonically, yeah. but it also, the lyrics and the story of itself, I think that kind of showed Jackson at a little bit of a different level, because that's a bit of a racy song. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were doing the moonwalk, and then you were like, wait a minute. What did he say? Yeah, he's talking about uh, what? Hold on. Hold Bringing on a, a girl back he, up to the room? What is Michael Jackson talking about? I thought we were just moonwalking. The kid here. looks just like me? Well, hold on a second. I thought we were just doing the moonwalk, and then Michael got serious, made me think. I had nope, to sit down. Nope. Nope. He brought my a moonwalk. Nope. He brought a girl up to the room, knocked her up, and kind of find out that the child looked just like him. It was a powerful, powerful song. Uh, and Michael was a very powerful artist. Died too soon. I know. And I got three of them on there from Thriller, so that might be too much of a cliche. And I didn't go to too many deep cuts. And I know there's a ton of them out there. And there's collaborations, too. Yeah. He's he's just special. He was just a unique artist. Um, if you talk about the greatest performance of the world of all time, your top five, he's on every list. Like, I don't care who you, what genre you like. or what He'd be on every single list. Just because he was that powerful. And he was also sort of like bridging the gap in a lot of ways. Like he learned from Jackie Wilson and Chuck Berry and James Brown. Um, came up on the Motown label. Came up on Motown. So he was sort of this young Motown, you know, doo-wah kind of kid who evolved into this pop rock soul guy who influenced everything and everybody who came out in the late 70s and the 80s. I mean, you talk about guys, and we say this too often. Oh, he's a game-changing artist. Oh, he he changed the sport. He changed Michael Jackson legitimately changed music, you know. Like and the music video changed. industry. That thriller video in and of itself became a theatrical release that no other music video Never. at that time. This is 1982. Yes. I remember my sister popped it in. She's like, "Hey, you got to see something." You know, it popped it in the VCR. I just video watched. cassette recorder video for cassette those recorder. out there. 
I probably, I think I spent one summer watching Thriller eight times a day. Like, I, like I would just like you discover something on, new at it every time. On the hour, on the hour, like I was the kid doing the motion. Like on the hour, I'd be in there watching Thriller, just because it was that magnificent. And how about his red uh, leather jacket? I, my mom couldn't get they me one. Air I didn't want to get me one. Air Jordans, they, actually. Mom didn't want to get me one. I don't know why. I told her I wanted the red jacket. I wanted to moonwalk down the halls. Sleeves rolled up. You know? You you walk into school and you moonwalk down the halls in a red leather jacket. And penny loafers? You can do whatever you want. If you walked rest. into school in 1982 with penny loafers, you better be able to pull <laughs> off the moonwalk. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we'll be back after this on Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. GA is returning to the Twin Cities for the first time in decades uh, with with the announcement last week that a the 3M Championship, which has been the senior event now for over 20-some years, maybe even almost 25 years, is going to, it's going to pivot over to a an actual PGA Tour event. The dates haven't been determined yet, but now the Twin Cities which and Minnesota, which has been a pretty uh, prominent golf market for a long time, especially after the Ryder Cup is getting uh, is getting rewarded with the PGA event. Uh, Tad Reeve, my colleague at the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com, he broke the story earlier this month about the potential for this happening, and he joins us now to talk a little bit about that. Tad, um, tell us a little bit how this uh, how this process evolved and how did how did we get back on the radar? Well, I think two things happened. Number one, the Ryder Cup was such a huge hit. I think it caught everybody by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's arguably the best Ryder Cup in modern history. I mean, the, the crowds were incredible. Uh, Minnesota got lucky with the weather. The tournament was competitive. And I think the PGA Tour saw that and said, hey, look at that market. Number two, I think Hollis Kavner plays a really large role in this. Um, Tell us about him. He's a unique character. He is. He's quite a character. He's a salesman. He's always got a story. He's always got a smile on his face. He talks to anybody and everybody. He runs multiple events already on the PGA Tour and Champions Tour. I think next year he'll have five PGA Tour tournaments that his company runs. So he knows everybody. He's always out talking to people. You know, hey, I want you to come to my tournament. He gets good feels. And then if you look on the senior tour, the champions tour, he runs three events and again, gets everybody that he wants to get. So he's great at getting players. People like playing for him. He, uh, he treats players wonderfully. He treats their families even better. So, I mean, he really sells it. What do you, uh, there's been some speculation, but nothing, you know, hard, uh, you know, written down in ink yet, but when do we think this tournament's going to take place? I think we're we're pretty much narrowed down uh, to two weeks. Um, they're going to do a lot of shifting because of a couple of contracts. You know, the next year's schedule is really weird because they moved the PGA from August to May, and they're moving the FedEx Cup playoffs into August so they don't compete with football. That is that has been a problem that they don't want to uh, fight anymore. So it, it looks to me. Uh, I'm going to say it's the last week of June or it's the first week of July, which is that July 4th week. Uh, another date, I w- that would surprise me. But I think those are your two dates. And if I had to say 
for Minnesota golf, which is the better week, I'd take that July 4th week. Uh, it's problematic in that everybody goes to the cabin in Minnesota and maybe you lose some fans. But if you do that last week of June, you know, you're coming off uh, back-to-back. The U.S. Open, everybody plays in. The next week, it's the Travelers Championship in Connecticut, which was last week this year. And they get a really good field because people don't want to do one-off at the U.S. Open and stop. So to get them that last week of June, you know, that's going to be a tougher sell. So if they get that July 4th weekend, I think, or July 4th week, I think that's your best bet. Tab, Myron Metcalf here. I'm always curious. I'm from Milwaukee, and we didn't have many PGA events. But how do you get into the mix? I mean, if you're not a, a big market, big city, how do you get into the PGA Tour's rotation? You know, it's tough. Uh, the GMO lost that tournament for a couple of reasons. Uh, they couldn't attract the top-name players. I mean, you know, they got Tiger's debut, which was huge. I remember that. But, but they had a really tough time getting, you know, year-in, year-out guys. So, so crowds... You know, they start shrinking a little, and then the problem is then your your sponsor backs out or is, is less committed. So you've got to have a good sponsor. 3M, the 3M company, is a great sponsor, uh, and the PGA Tour has wanted a sponsor like that for a long time. So number one, it's your sponsor. Uh, and then number two, you know, Hollis Cabin has been working on this for a decade. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's really worked it, and it finally came to fruition, so... It takes a guy like that to work it, and it takes a really, really good, solid sponsor. And they've got that. Tad Reeve of the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com joining us to talk about uh, next year, 2019, uh, the PGA Tour returning to the Twin Cities for an event probably in July, but they'll have an announcement soon on that. Uh, The 3M Championship, the senior event, has been played uh, out of TPC Twin Cities for the past 17 years. Uh, it's had a nice run. Uh, no, I, I was reading no winning score is has been worse than, or there's only been one winning score worse than 10 under par back in 2001 when Bruce Litsky won it at 9 under. It plays at 6,900 currently. What are they going to have to extend this to? Because you can't have these guys going 25, 30 under par. Right, right. So they are going to lengthen it. I think they're talking about somewhere between 7,400 and 7,600 yards which is really long. Um, but length isn't as big an issue. Last week, the Travelers, I think they played that at 6,900. And I think uh, Bubba Watson won at 17 under. So length isn't as much an issue as everything else. Brian, uh, you and I are hack golfers. We get out and play. Yeah. And the fact is this. When I play TPC Twin Cities, it is not as stressful around the golf. I enjoy myself. It's fun. The fairways are wide. And I'm like, oh, this is great. When I go play Hazeltine, you are under constant duress. I always think, this is not fun. This is hard. So TPC's got to toughen up, which means narrower fairways. They're really wide, higher, rough. It's really low for the seniors. Uh, uh, They're going to move some bunkers. They're going to speed up the greens. They're even talking about adding some trees, which might not be a bad idea. So if they don't toughen it up in – and prevent something. You can't have a 30-under par win because a guy like Jordan Spieth sees that one year, well, he's never going to come here. He can't shoot 30-under. You know, he's a guy that likes more difficult golf courses. 30-under, you get kind of the really good player, but nobody knows who he is. So they need to keep it, you know, 20-under or something. So toughening it up, they, hopefully they can do that. 
Tad, I'm curious. You mentioned Jordan Spieth, and I'm wondering why golf hasn't done a better job of promoting some of these post-Tiger young stars uh, who might be able to carry the game. You know, uh, I think people, there's sort of a Tiger hangover, I think. Um, You know, everybody's waiting for, like, who's the next Tiger? And if you look, there was a stretch there of, you know, and my numbers are a little off, but the 16 to 20 majors, you know, there were 12 to 15 different winners. So there were so many guys, and nobody was stepping up. Jordan is one that's really stepped up. Um, but if you look at what he's doing this year, you know, he's not playing very well. Um, he's having kind of a mediocre year. And so when that happens, and if you, and Rory, you know, he stepped up after Tiger kind of fell off. And then for the past couple of years, Rory hadn't done a whole lot. So it's, it's tough for a guy to maintain. Um, Dustin Johnson... Bubba Watson, there are a couple of hot guys right now that seem like they can maintain. Um, somebody's got to maintain it just a little bit longer, you know, and then maybe they get behind them. I think the tour does get behind Justin, but, uh, you know, he's he's not the most exciting guy. He's, I don't know, kind of boring. He plays a – he doesn't say a lot. He plays a normal kind of game. Uh, so you don't see the 330-yard drives. You see he is at like 275, which is – you know, old school golf. I, I, you know, I think that limits him a little. You've we you got a pretty good relationship with Hollis Kavner, and we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's in charge of he's going to be in charge of recruiting for this event here. What are his techniques? Why is he able so often, especially on the senior tour? You know, back back when he was still alive, he was able to get Arnie Palmer here all the time. What what's what what's in his toolbox that allows him to get the biggest names in golf to come to Minnesota? Well, with Arnold, it started like he got he, he he got Arnold to design the golf course, so Arnold was tied in uh, immediately. It came down to Arnold or Jack Nicholas. He had to make a choice. He took Arnold. Uh, if you notice, Jack didn't come for many many years, so he had to make a choice. But what he's really good at is building relationships. He's a member of a golf club down in Jupiter, Florida. You know, there's eight or ten of the you know, best 50 players in the world who are members there. He always goes by, you know, talks to them, hangs out with them. You know, he's a, if he were doing something else today, you know, like the old, in the 70s, he would have been the best car, car salesman in the world. That's the kind of guy he is. Very, uh, very approachable, willing to approach anybody. And he takes care of everybody's family. He charters uh, flights from, like, from uh, the 3M Championship this year. It's right after the British Open, which is at St. Andrews this year, so everybody will be there. Well, he charters a flight for him to come over to Minnesota. He takes care of the family the same way. So, you know, if, you, if you're in a Hollis tournament, you know everybody, you know, on and off the course is going to be treated great. And lastly, I, this, this was sort of, sort of still lingering, I think, the Phil Mickelson kerfuffle out of the U.S. Open. Um, what? You know, what do you think that's going to do ultimately to Phil's legacy? Will it have impacted that much? Um, and and just his explanation for what happened, uh, does it pass the smell test? You know, I think what he did was, I, I thought he should have gotten slammed a lot harder. I would have, you know, what he, it's legal, believe it or not, in the golf rules that you can hit a moving ball, they just assess you in the penalty. And that was kind of his excuse when he did it. But, you know, the last guy to do that is John Daly, and he got slammed, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago for, for that. I think maybe Phil should get slammed or should have last week, 
but you know, it seems like it's. I think it'll blow over. Uh, you know, he's pretty good in public. Uh, he knows how to say I'm sorry. And I noticed, you know, a week after, a few days after the open, he did apologize. I think it'll blow over, but it, it's it's amazing to see and disappointing to see a guy of Phil Stature do that. Uh, I thought he would have withdrawn or been disqualified, but didn't happen. So I, I think it'll blow over. All right, Tad Reeve of the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com, thanks for coming on and sharing uh, what will be a an exciting day and week in golf next year when uh, 3M welcomes the PGA Tour back in uh, the Twin Cities. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. That was Tad Reeve of the Pioneer Press. Uh, it's Murphy and Medcalf in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back right after this. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. You gotta act excited. You got a gift. You gotta act excited. But some of you are going. On 1500 ESPN. Stuff you should know about is sponsored by Jersey Mike's Subs. The sub above difference is substantial. After all, the giant got its name for a reason. It ain't little. Jersey Mike's be a sub above. Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell All right, me so pecking order today was Michael Jackson theme because nine years ago yesterday, Michael passed away. Yep. You realize what also happened nine years ago yesterday. Okay, help me out with the math. So June, what would it have been? June twenty fifth, two thousand nine. June twenty fifth. Well, Farrah Fawcett died the same day. I as didn't Michael remember Jackson. that, but that's that. People don't, yeah, people that's don't right. remember that. That's not what I'm talking okay. about. This one's sports related, and it's very local. June twenty fifth, two thousand nine. Was that when uh, David Kahn was hired? No. Was that Brett Favre showing up? Not Brett Favre showing up. Murphy, you're on the right track. Darren uh, Ravel tweeting this morning on doorsteps in Minnesota this morning in 2009. So reacting to yesterday's news, a recap Go- of what would become the worst draft in NBA history. Oh, they passed oh, up Steph Curry. That was Rubio at five, oh. Flynn at six, Ty Lawson at 18, Wayne Ellington <laughs> at 28. Four first round picks. Oh my yeah. goodness. That was 09. And that was 09. David Kahn's work, was it not? Yeah. I was at the work I was at the Johnny Flynn workout. Kid you not. Ten minutes he spent on Johnny Flynn's smile and personality. He could not stop talking about how great Sounds like Johnny a PR Flynn's, guy that he was. He was his personality and smile. He was like you just couldn't get over it. Oh man, that'll Fans will never get over that. No. Steph Curry's got a million dollar smile, too. Oh, it does. And three rings. And three rings. <laughs> he also had a giant a little finger dollars. towards the yeah, wall saying, did. don't you dare pick me. Don't you dare pick me. Oh, my goodness. But what? imagine what could have been. Oh, get in line. I mean, yeah. that's... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, among the decade of futility that the that the Wolves were a part of, that in and of itself has got to be the biggest scarlet letter. Oh, yeah. It's passing over Steph Curry for Johnny Flynn. Who was six? Ricky Rubio Ricky and Rubio. Flynn. And then uh, you had Ty Lawson to the trade away and Wayne Ellington. <clears throat> in the, all in the first round. So let's just oh, pour boy. one out for that memory. <laughs> let's talk about money. I saw this yesterday. And the numbers are astronomical. The Big Ten, uh, those schools have some cash. Uh, 
let's see, it was in 2013, the fiscal year 2013, Big Ten teams received uh, just about $25 million per school revenue sharing as a result of the Big Ten network. Well, the University of Michigan just released their athletic budget for the year, and uh, somebody discovered a little nugget in there. That number in just five years has gone to $51.1 million per School? Are you roughly fifty-one million wait, per school? Wait, just last year wait. it was thirty-six, so it's jumped fifteen. Are in they just selling one drugs? Year. What are they doing? To, uh, get the, what kind of Ponzi scheme are they doing to <laughs> bring up from thirty-six? Hockey? I don't Is know that enough. A Ponzi scheme? I don't know thirty-six million because how to every go from thirty-six to fifty-one. But that somebody's tweaking some numbers. Well, every bar in the Midwest has the Big Ten <laughs> Network on just twenty-four-seven, uh, so that's got to be driving up the ratings wait. a little bit. Wait, Rutgers is getting fifty-one million dollars every school. I mean, to it's do revenue what? sharing, right? They're not to do what? Bring the, in the New York audience, oh Myron, because New York loves the Scarlet Knights. See, this is this is why it's like <laughs> to get the Big Ten at Madison Square Garden for a tournament that nobody will go to Rutgers on Tuesday afternoon. Fifty-one million dollars to do what? To do what exactly? That is that is ridiculous, and it only encourages those conversations, Brian. About should we pay athletes? Say what you want, wherever you stand on that. Will you find out that schools are getting $51 million from their conference alone? Kind of makes you go, you know, you can't give some of these kids five, ten thousand extra a little. Come on. Why do you think Jim Jim Harbaugh is flying around on corporate jets oh, and exactly. doing his recruiting? I mean, that's a beautiful. Uh, why? Uh, where, first of all, I want to ask, how did that? Million? Did somebody report that out in in the Minnesota? That's or the Narcos Michigan? money. <laughs> narcos. I don't know. The, I don't know the first. Colombian drug awful, trade money. Awful announcing. I can't okay. remember where they got. The Somebody had to dig it. through. Is the, the Big Ten the, involved the in budget. the Colombian drug trade? <laughs> like where? Where is this money actually coming from, people? <laughs> Big Ten Network is the biggest money laundering outfit on the planet right now. <laughs> Jim Delaney. <laughs> Jim Delaney and Narcos next season, man. That, that's some funny numbers happening. Season three. Fifty-one million to Rutgers. We, well, that means Minnesota gets it too. Obviously. Yeah. Don't get mad at me. Oh, you seem uh, pretty upset about I'm just, this. I'm just trying to figure out how you go from 36 to 51 in a year. It's a big number. It's a big jump. <laughs> now let's talk about something a little more ridiculous. This quote per ESPN. I still feel like today, if I wanted to come back to football and play football, I could do it at my age. I'm one of those guys that I still believe if I wanted to, I could come back, catch over 80 balls, and really be productive on the field. I think I'm still explosive, and I think I can beat up beat up some defenses. Not Terrell Owens. I, that's what Chad, I first thought. Yeah, Chad Ochocinco. Chad, Not Ochocinco. Chad. That would be 55 year old Jerry Rice. Oh good. Oh. Who's starring, I believe, currently in Copperfit commercials with Brett Favre. <laughs> oh no. But still thinks he could play in the NFL. Oh, well, God uh, love Jerry and his confidence, but uh, he's he, so bad in those Popeyes chicken commercials. Have you seen those? No, I, I haven't just, seen those. It's like they're giving him fewer words per commercial because he's messing them up. He's really he's really bad. Buddy. You just got to eat the chicken I leg. And, I, I don't think I, promotions is his style, right? <laughs> I, you would think, I mean, but he's Popeyes, you have, you have to smile when you eat him. There's no other reaction. He messed him up, but I, he's probably bored, is my guess. Yeah, he's definitely but, bored, and he was always a diva. He was a controlled quietly. diva, but he was a quiet diva, but they're all divas. He's, he's 55, which I don't know. He's in the body issue, too, by the way. And he oh, looks, that's right, yeah. He looks decent, but someone should take him out to a football field. Like, take him to a training camp right now so he can see the size mm-hmm. of some of these guys. The Jerry, you don't want to come back. I don't think he wants to go over the middle. You know, Jerry's hip, Jerry's hip on the thirty-five yard line. Mm-hmm. Is he you still climbing that. that hill up in Northern California? The infamous <laughs> that was crazy uh, hill of death or whatever he was climbing. 
at even 40 years old when he was still playing for the Raiders, mm-hmm. I think he was still climbing that thing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Now, let's do one more because uh, we have to get to <gasps> a, a smattering of World Cup talk. A couple matches going in right now, but yesterday... Still group play, right? Oh, yeah, still group play. We're just we wrapping it up on. here. Um, we've got, what, Denmark and France. They're tied right now in the Not America. Minute. We no. ain't there. Uh, but yesterday it was Iran tying with Portugal. The night before... I don't know if you guys saw this. Iranian fans all taken to the streets outside the hotel where Portugal was staying, making a whole bunch of ruckus middle of the night, singing, dancing, playing music. And someone got video of Cristiano Ronaldo, the big star from Portugal, going to his window and, hey, hey, fellas, pantomiming, hey, I'm trying to sleep. You know, hands being the pillow, I'm trying to sleep. I'm sure that calmed him down. Yeah, I'm sure that only calmed him down. Well, uh, I guess we hand this one to the Iranian fans because somebody lined up for a PK yesterday. Cristiano Ronaldo, oh, it's been saved by Benavent. Who expected that? You missed the penalty kick, and you're Ronaldo. I'm sorry, Iranian fans. You didn't get, get the credit sleep. for that one. Yes, yes. They did. How about their passion, though, of all these World Cup fans? I wonder what that would be like because I look at these crowds and I'm like, they're crazy. Why can't we get there? Like, what's. And would, would our fans, would American fans. I don't think they travel like we, that. Certainly would we not travel to Russia. and keep. Spain up all night? Would no. we do that? No. What if it was the World Cup of American football? What if the entire world bought in? We sent over our group of American footballers, yes. actual American football. Yes. Knuckle Dragger Nation would yes. get on a plane we, and go we overseas. Would do it, right? but we would yeah, we would we would keep we would keep England up all night. Oh, oh yeah, they so. would. It's, oh, we'd be at the bar. All you got to do is recruit They're Eagles fans. True, Eventually true. the bar closes, then you got to hit the streets. By the way, remember not yesterday? Not in England, right? Last <laughs> week close. we were talking about, uh, did they replenish the beer in Russia? Didn't the Aussie, the Aussies drank them dry. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that Aussies drank them right. dry. we, we got to resolve that. that. All right. <laughs> we'll be, like Iowa State football, man. <laughs> we'll be, Iowa football, This too. is Murphy and Medcalf in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back right after this. and Judd resume things following these messages. That is good news. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey. That boy is crazy. Judd Zolgad. I like the guy, yeah. but he says goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a digital HD download of Shooter Season 2. Thursdays at 9 p.m., Ryan Phillippe returns his bobbly swagger. In the Hit USA original drama, Shooter from executive producers Mark Wahlberg and Steven Levinson comes the exciting new season of Shooter. Head to 1500ESPN.com and click on the stream player for details on how you can win Season 2. Myron Metcalf, uh, Brian Murphy filling in for Mackie and Judd. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, a man who coached Josh, uh, Josh Okoji, the number one draft pick for the Timberwolves at Georgia Tech. Tell us a little bit about him. Um, while we're waiting for him, I can't go to Home Depot anymore. Why is that? Um, I I went there Friday for... It's your choice, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Not like they banned me, no. So I, I went there for some stain for my deck. I left with a grill. It happens all the... Did you get the stain too or no? I got the stain barely. I almost forgot it. And it was one of those things where like... I'm, was a big I'm not sign gonna, on it, wasn't there? I'm, I'm just going to walk by the grill. I'm just going to walk by and and check it out, okay? Not get too serious. Next thing I know, I'm leaving with a grill. We'll talk more about that later because we have Josh Passner, head coach at Georgia Tech. Josh, coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, Myron. How are you doing? I- I'm doing well. Uh, Def, thank you uh, for joining us here 
uh, on ESPN in Minneapolis. Uh, I wanted to give local fans a chance to learn a little bit about Josh, who I personally think, Coach, he is a steal. Uh, and he's the kind of player who I think can really help this team and can develop into a young star. When did you know that Josh had the chance to develop into uh, an NBA player? Yeah, you know, I... Um... <clears throat> Uh, you know, first of all, he was the he was the lowest rated recruit coming into the ACC. Um, you know, three years or two years ago, um, he was a three star guy. Uh, you know, he he sometimes did not even start on his summer team. Now, um, uh, and 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 so you would think that he, you know here's a guy who it's going to take him some time in, until he really even has an opportunity to step on the floor in the ACC. Well. Based on the situation when he came in in the summer, and I just got the job, you know, in in, in mid-April, and I watched him play in the summer with us in the summer access part, I told our staff that I thought he would be an all ACC type of guy, um, his his junior year, his junior year. Well, obviously that, you know, moved uh, moved it a year ahead. Um, into his sophomore year when he's all ACC, and then he obviously left and became a, the 20th pick in the draft. Let me just say a few things on Josh Akogi. One is uh, he's got no sense of entitlement. You know, he wasn't a highly rated guy, so he wasn't, um, you know, not a lot of people were patting him on the back um, throughout his prep and, you know, uh, pr- his prep career. So he had to work and earn everything that he got. I would also tell you that he plays with a chip on his shoulder and he plays with an edge because he didn't, you know, wasn't handed anything to him. He, everything he's gotten, he's had to earn. Um, he's extremely coachable. I think he's going to fit right in with the culture of the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, with Coach Thibodeau's uh, culture, the de- a defensive mindset. Um, uh, you know, he's strong, he's tough, uh, high, high character. And I agree with you. I mean, for, and, and also, Byron, he, he sh- he's a year young. He really should have only completed his freshman year in college. Wow. He, um, but he's going to be a, a great pickup. I think I'm with you that I think they got to steal with him. Uh, it's sort of like betting on the individual that he just he's going to find a way to be successful. Yeah. And um, and and he's he's a high level player. And and you know obviously it's great for our program that he was a 20th pick. It's great for Josh. Um, it's going to be great for recruiting. It's just terrible for us for next season you know i mean to, to lose a guy like that when we weren't planning it you know who would have who would have thought the guy when he started to where he is two years later no one would have seen that and and um um so we'll have to try to you know it really hurts us for next season but it'll be good for us in recruiting the year after i gotta admit uh freshman year i thought we won't see this again i mean it was almost too good to be true considering who he was you know not a, a, a top recruit 16 points a game, some of the things he did, 38% of his threes. And and then he did what a lot of players don't do, as you know, Coach. 18.2 points per game. He improved as a scorer, improved his steals, improved his assists, more rebounds, better free throw shooter. What I love about a player like that is that's just hard work in the gym, right? I mean, that's just a guy who decided, I'm going to turn myself into a first-round pick no matter what anybody says about it. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's um, you know he's worked. He's had a tremendous work ethic, and and it's why he has gotten better and better and better. Um, 
you know, with that with that being said, uh, um, you know, you look at, and I've told this to some some people even during the draft process. He's had some, you know, in life, you get doors open for you, you get an opportunity. Well, it's up to that individual to take advantage of the opportunity. And so um, Josh has been a guy that doors have opened, and he's taken advantage of the opportunity. I mean, whether the opportunity was being at Georgia Tech and, you know, maybe, you know, it's a rebuild job, and the, and, and he had he had opportunities to play a lot of minutes and play through mistakes. He took advantage of that. Being in the combine, I mean, he was on the alternate list originally, and then some guys dropped and they invite him. He took advantage of the opportunity. The door opened and he took advantage of it. And so he will do the same with the with the Timberwolves and their and, and, and their culture and their program. He'll have an opportunity, a door will open, and he'll seize it and, and take advantage of that. And, uh, um, and that's where I go back to, you know, you're betting on the person to find a way to succeed and be successful, and, and Josh Okogie is that. Myron Metcalf and Brian Murphy here, uh, filling in for Mackey and Jub, talking to Josh Pastner, head coach at Georgia Tech, who uh, coached the first-round pick for the Timberwolves, Josh Okogie. Okogie uh, and he played in the league, the AC. I don't know, it's Okogie, Okogie, I don't know. I, I just call him J-O. I don't, I, <laughs> yeah, you got to help us out here. I've been saying Okogie and Okogie. You guys might be having it right. I don't know. I just call him J-O. I usually just call him J-O. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with names. That's why in scouting reports, I never tell – I go, guys, number four, number six, number ten, number fifteen. I don't ever say the person's name because I just botch it every time. Hey, you I, know. I, I covered uh, Tubby Smith and Gophers basketball for a while before I went to ESPN, and – there was a moment where Tubby was doing a scouting report and was scouting another team, uh, and he had to be told, "Hey, uh, no, it's it's North Dakota State, not South Dakota State." Yeah, well, and he got yeah. handed a roster. So I know you all have a lot to to figure out with yep. all these different names. Yep. Uh, Josh played in the league where, and again, I'm not knocking other players who haven't played in the league like the ACC, but you you can't look at him and say he didn't face big time competition because he he played in arguably the best league in America and went up against a bunch of guys who are now drafted with him going to the NBA. How much do you think that helped him prove his worth when he could perform the same way in the non-conference season, the way he did against the Dukes and the North Carolinas and some of those other teams that you all saw in ACC play? Yeah, you know, look, here's what I would tell you is, um, you know, I I was in Conference USA, I was in the American and now obviously the ACC um, and, you know, being in Conference USA and the American, I was a strong proponent and advocate of the league and about how good the leagues were and how good the coaches and the players were. Uh, but obviously that was always a concern from NBA personnel about the competition they were playing against, especially with the numbers and, 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 and all those things that go with that. The one thing in the ACC, and it's the truth, there is not a better league in the country. It is the NBA South. And if you can produce in the ACC, you can produce and play in the NBA because that's what you're playing against is you're playing against fellow pros, fellow guys who are going to be at that level. And, uh, and, and, and so Josh's um, numbers speak for himself, especially on the competition. And I'm just telling you, as a head coach who's been through it now through two years in this, in this league, um, you know, we've won 14 ACC games in two years. And, and it's been, you know, and I, every game has just been an absolute dogfight. And we've probably lost 14 by you know, four points or less. And, and you're just sitting there where so many games are just decided by a basket here, a basket there, a run there, a run here. But 
Um, and that's what makes the league so good. And I've said this is you can be really good um, and still lose. I mean, you know, you can be a good team and literally lose seven in a row, eight in a row, nine in a row in this league, but still be a good team, if that makes sense, because everybody else is so good. So Josh's production he did it against the highest level of competition um, in the best league, night in, night out. And uh, so I, I do think that will translate uh, going into the, into the best of the best uh, in the professional world. Josh, hey, it's Brian Murphy here. I wanted to point out that uh, Minnesota was one of the NBA's worst teams in three-pointers made and attempted last season. Uh, Josh shot 38% from three-point range and, and proved himself pretty capable uh, in 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 that realm, he also told reporters when he got drafted, he believes his outside shot will translate well into the program. And let me into the program and let me read you the quote: "I have the utmost confidence in myself. It's time to get it rolling." How would you describe his confidence level? Well, um, first of all, Coach Tibbs, Coach Thibodeau is a way better coach than I am any any day of the week. But I will say he and I should not get together and talk about three-point shooting because our teams was dead last in the ACC the last year, both in three-point shots made and in percentage. So um, we uh, so uh, uh, I don't know what we're doing, you know, with us. We got to find a way to make some shots. And if it wasn't for Josh, who knows? You know, we might. Who knows where we would have been three point wise? So he was our lone. We had another guy that could shoot that could shoot the three or point guard, but 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 Josh was our lone really key three point shooter both years. His freshman year, he shot forty two percent from three during ACC play. Wow. He got better during ACC play, so um, he can make the open three when his feet are set. You can you know I mean his his release looks good. Uh, Saturday, we had a practice on Saturday. He was at our practice watching, and then he stayed after and worked out in the gym, and he looked great. I mean, his body looked great, and his shooting was at a high, high level from NBA 3. And um, I think he's going to make shots. I think he's going to help Minnesota in that role. I'm, I, I know they don't want him coming in thinking of an offensive mindset. They want him in a defensive mentality, which – which I'm sure, uh, you know, he's going to, I'm hoping we've done our job and, and, and can, uh, you know, give him some basics of fundamentals for having being ready for Coach Tibbs and, and his staff and, and their defensive schemes. But uh, uh, he will be able to help offensively with the open threes. And, I mean, like I said, we were dead last in three-point shooting the last two years in the ACC, and our, our savior because of making threes was Josh. I mean, Definitely. without him, I don't know where we'd be. You know, I mean, you ha- and, and I've told people this because they said about his finishing around the rim, and I said that's something he's got to get better at. But part of it is guys that we, he was driving against because sometimes we'd be having three non-shooters on the floor. You know, got in, our, in the college rules, they'd be just sitting in the paint, and we need Josh to score, and, you know, he'd be going against six bodies in there with just, you know, it's just crowded. And... and um, uh, so I think it's going to actually be better for him with the NBA rules uh, as well, too, with be opening him the lane and all those good things. Well, Josh, you should definitely be proud. Uh, I'm sure Minnesota oh, fans are going to love recruiting. We're using in recruiting. <laughs> Trust me. Don't worry. He's, he's going to love it here, I think, and I think that's a really big pickup for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Josh Pastner, head coach, Georgia Tech, uh, who coached Josh Okoji. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it, guys, anytime. All right, thanks, thanks. Coach. That was Josh Pastor, uh, Coach Josh Okoji in college. We'll talk more about him in the Minnesota Timberwolves NBA draft when we get back. The Mackey and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Happy? Yeah, happy. On 1500 ESPN. 
As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.